Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast interview. Very uh, excited and appreciative uh, to be joined by Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Bob, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Chip. It's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks, but uh, I'm doing fine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, on April 5th, uh, it's announced that you will be Stepping down after a decade as uh, the Big 12 commissioner, um, you know, I know you uh, I've known you for years uh, since you've been the Big 12 commissioner. You're a, a, a former wrestler, uh, conference champion, right? At uh, Minnesota State Moorhead. A long time ago. You've done it all. Um, you've been the AD at Iowa, the AD at Stanford, now a conference commissioner. You're you're 70 years young. Um, and why was this the right time for you, Bob, to uh, step away from from college athletics, at least in this role? Well, I don't know if there ever is a, an exactly right time. Um, perhaps it was the absence of being a wrong time. Um, I, I certainly wasn't going to leave the conference high and dry in the middle of COVID. And uh, we lost a couple of members last year and brought on four new members. And I didn't feel like I could uh, leave in the middle of that with uh, all that goes on in, in that regard. And, and so, you know, I don't know that there is an ideal time. I was visiting with my wife about it the other night and she said, you know, you, you would have just gone uh, every day and every day and done what was on your desk and and uh, you, you would have found yourself to be 75 years old one of these days and still working. And so, you know, I'm glad I had the conversation with my board and uh, I, I'm appreciative of the consideration they gave me. And, um, you know, I, I indicated my intention to, to probably step down at some point in time. And, and they came back and said, yeah, we understand, and you've been you've been great for the conference, but uh, we think probably we ought to be thinking about it uh, now and and uh, getting somebody that can have a little longer runway because we've got plenty of issues before us uh, in the years ahead. And and so it's been entirely mutual. It's been a good conversation. Uh, honestly, Chip, I I thought that I would probably retire when I got to sixty. And I hadn't even taken the taken the trip to California at that point. So 
you know, it, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I don't know if there is an actual ideal time to do these kinds of things, but the, the league is in good shape and we uh, are competitively uh, com competing at a high level. And um, it, it just seemed like it was the right circumstance and the right time. You know, um, so much is changing about college athletics, not just um, the realignment that you mentioned, um, but also, you know, name image likeness for, student athletes and the transfer portal what concerns you most about um the state of college athletics right now well i mean just the things you mentioned are are significant um you know the the opportunity for flexibility and in, in transfer is i think a good thing as long as it doesn't go too far. I, I don't. I don't think it's a. It's sound academically for young people to move to four different institutions in four years. But uh, if they make a mistake and and uh, don't have the opportunities athletically they're looking for, may not have the opportunities academically either. Um, a transfer certainly makes some sense, and and being able to to move without sitting out uh, for that first transfer, I think is. You know, coaches are not wildly enthusiastic about it, but um, I think it's it's a way to be fair to student athletes. You know, name, image, and likeness. I I support uh, student athletes being able to uh, to activate around their name, image, and likeness. Um, I also was an advocate of having some guardrails around it that would have uh, made it harder to use NIL as inducements on initial enrollment or on transfer. And uh, ultimately, um, the NCAA uh, legal uh, folks chose not to to put some of those guardrails around that the that the committee that I was serving on had recommended. There were probably a dozen of them that would have made it a lot clearer what you could and couldn't do right now. Uh, but they were concerned about um, restraining trade and being sued again, and so. Um, it, it is what it is. Um, we're spending a lot of time in the courts and we're spending a lot of time with Congress. And um, there are uh, a number of other challenges. And uh, But, you know, I don't feel like I was running from anything. I, I've been deeply engaged in all of the issues of the day. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why um, you you have to kind of find a time and, and decide to, to move on it. Because, there, there, anybody that sees a period of calm water out in front of us uh, in the athletics landscape, I, I would caution them it's likely a mirage because um, we're, just, we're just not in that sort of environment right now. And, um, but if you could characterize athletics in only one word, you'd say resiliency. Uh, whatever the rules are, however it's structured, um, you know, we, we need to try and retain the best parts of college athletics. Um, but we'll still be playing games on Saturday and people will still be coming and cheering. And, and uh, you know, the, the enterprise has proven repeatedly to be very resilient. What's what's one or two of the guardrails you'd like to see most um, with regard to NIL? Well, I think you, you, we need transparency around it. Um, you know, who's who's involved in the deals? How long are they for? Uh not necessarily how much a uh, student athlete is making from it, but, you know, are you represented by uh, an agent or a representative? Uh, if so, who, who is that person? 
um, you know, is it, are you an incorporated entity or an LLC or, or a partnership? You know, there's just a, a fair amount of uh, information that, that ought to be on record um, in, a, in a central data, database or on a campus database. Um, I, I think uh, some, some clear guidelines around uh, inducements and, and the fact that the, this is not intended to be uh, in addition to the scholarship, uh, the institutions should not be uh, making numerical offers to student athletes. This is supposed to be at their own initiative and at their families' initiatives. And and uh, so, you know, I just think there's a lot of structure that you can put around it, but it it all starts with transparency and it's sunshine. And, and that uh, that's a pretty good disinfectant to make things, make sure things are going the right way. Are you concerned that we're too far past that now? The toothpaste is out of the tube and the member institutions of the NCAA won't, won't act. Um, well, you know. time, will, time will tell on that. Um, we, we'll have to see. Um, you know, I, th I think we were uh, mistaken in not providing some guidance to institutions uh, the last time around when we had the opportunity in July of, of 21. Um, I, you know, I think it borderlines on borders on irresponsibility for a national association not to provide some guidance, and yet there were good reasons why we we didn't. I I disagreed with some of them, but I I still think that um, that they would have made sense. And and the fact is, um, you may be exactly right. We whatever analogy you wanted to be. Uh, uh, you're not going to unring the bell. You're not going to get the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of states that are involved in this space. The federal government is involved in this space. And, um, you know, I don't know that we're going to get an A to Z package out of the NCAA or out of Congress or out of state legislatures. But I think through collaboration and over time, um, this will it, it will settle down. And, and the fact is, you know, you, you look at a, a football roster that has 120 kids on it. Um, there's maybe 10 of them that are making any serious money on NIL. It, it's really a, uh, um, it's been, <clears throat> excuse me, very highly publicized, but, uh, and there, there have been some uh, reported big deals, but uh, for the most part, um, the, 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 the arrangements are very, very modest, and it's not a lot of kids that are making any money from it. And uh, the fact is it's creating some, animosity within teams uh, because some kids are are living at one lifestyle and, and the rest are living at another um you and i've talked for years about where uh you know the power five are going uh what what what's college football gonna look like five years from now ten years from now um is it just a matter of time before the power five or the top 60 50 30 um, so-called powerhouses in college football break away from the NCAA and have their own governing body or football commissioner? Well, I mean, you know, that all, that all sounds good, but when you get right down to it, um, say 60 football schools decided to secede from the union and go their own way. Um, the first thing they're going to be required to do is, is play each other exclusively. Well, when you do that, you take 30 traditional winners and you turn them into traditional losers because we play in a zero-sum environment. 
And we, unlike the NFL, we don't have a way to distribute the talent among, among the schools. So the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer. And uh, to some extent, that's happening now. And uh, the, uh, the, you know, you look at Division I, um, look at it along resource lines, look at it along enrollment lines, look at it uh, big school, small school, big endowment, small endowment, northern school, southern school. Um, there's not much uh, homogeneity in, in that 360 or so members of Division One, And so trying to make rules that are, are uh, uniformly um, impactful on each of those is, is very difficult to do. And, and of course, that sort of cries out for uh, some group of schools, 125 or 60 or 30, whatever, whatever number you want to use to go and do their own thing. Um, you know, one thing about it is you drag all the baggage with you. You take all the lawsuits with you. You take all the Title IX responsibilities. You take all the um, the programming responsibilities. You take all the governmental oversight. Um, so, you know, what is it that you've gotten away from? Um, it, it's uh, you, you may or may not uh, find that 60 schools can self-govern because 30 of them are, are going to be less well-resourced and, and may have advantages that the top 30 don't have. So, you know, getting to a smaller group um, is logical. Um, and I think there are some advantages, but to think it's going to solve all the problems uh, is is not accurate, I don't believe. Uh, we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast with Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Bob, when you look at realignment, um, well, we'll start with Texas and Oklahoma. Um, now that you've had some time to look at this, um, does their move make sense to you? Does it, do you understand why they did it? Uh, I, I actually do not understand why they did it. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, we've been told that it's not about money, but there doesn't seem to be any other motivation than money. 
Um, you know, in the case of Texas, uh, you know, they're, they're going to make uh, something in the low 40s from the Big 12 this year and probably about 18 from Longhorn Network. Uh, you know, that's, that's SEC or Big 10 money right now. Um, Oklahoma is not quite as well healed financially, but, uh, uh, you know, it's not a, not a huge amount of money for them either. And so, um, you know, if it isn't the money motivation, uh, is it recruiting? Is it, um, geography? Is it, uh, affiliation? You know, who, who knows? We, we never have gotten any, uh, really good answers from the leadership at either institution. The, and, you know, in to some degree, it's it's about the schools anticipating whatever changes are coming uh, and making sure that they can continue to fill their stadium with marquee games. And as you said, I mean, it, you you that's exciting and wonderful. But if if you're not ready to compete, uh, it, it can be a tough road. But um I think maybe there was a sense that Texas and Oklahoma felt like they were supporting the other eight schools in the big 12 and that maybe they wanted to go be amongst quote unquote equals. Um, does that logic make any sense? Well, yeah. If you, if you want to fill your stadium with South Carolina and Vanderbilt, um, you know, that, that's the same thing that you have in any league. I, I spent 15 years in the Big Ten, and I'm sure Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State feel like they're bringing more value than, than Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. Uh, same, same thing in the Pac-12. Uh, that, that, is, that is not unique to, um, to, the, to the Big 12. And, uh, you know, any, anybody that thinks Texas's football problems are attributable to their league is delusional. Um, that you know, there's there's a they've they've been in our championship game one time in the ten years that I've been uh, commissioner, and so you know it's uh, you can you can put up whatever argument you you choose to, but um, the Big Twelve is no different than anybody else. And frankly, if they'd have come to us and said. Yeah, well, we think we're carrying a disproportionate share of the load. I, I would guess that our presidents might have considered doing something different with revenue sharing, but um, we ne never had those conversations. When you look at uh, the future, and do you think the SEC is trying to become that super conference, maybe 18, 20, 30 members, and become the you know, the core of college football? For what purpose? I mean, you, you still have to have people to play. And if you want to turn comfort college football into a regional sport, that's how you do it. When you look at the TV, um, you know, obviously the, the TV contract probably plays a bit of a role in um, – and your decision, like you said, give the new commissioner a runway going into television negotiations, uh, which will be upcoming here in the next couple of years. Um, do you see that landscape changing with Amazon and Apple coming into the market finally? And what do you think the presence of those 
uh, Netflix. What do you think the presence of those bidders uh, does to the college football landscape? Well, of the three you mentioned, only one has written any checks in the sports space. Amazon is the only one that's that's really gotten on board. Um, and you, you hear rumblings that, that Apple might do that or Microsoft or, or uh, Netflix. Uh, and there, there will be others. Um, there's also a, a fair amount of talk right now that there are other traditional ca uh, cable and broadcast carriers that want to get more involved in college football. And so uh, time will tell on that. Um, there, there does seem to be an environment where there are more players than there were um, you know, 2009, 10, 11, 12, when a lot of these contracts were, were put together. Um, I think clearly streaming is the, uh, is the delivery system of the future. And you're starting to see um, a significant decline in cable households. And, and that's likely to continue for a while. And then it, then it will bottom out. And I think most of that slack will be taken up by by streaming uh, modalities of one sort or another, or, you know, there may be a new technology that comes along uh, before long. But um, anybody that's in that marketplace now is spending a lot of time thinking about trying to value um, the, uh, the streaming platforms. How does ESPN Plus fit in? How does Hulu fit in? How do the others that you mentioned fit in? Uh, Amazon bought a, a billion dollar position in the NFL. And, um, you know, you, you ask whether they are really in the business because they want to be in the business of sports or if, if they want the verticals that go along with being able to uh, have that vehicle to promote the rest of their business model. And, and so in that regard, they may be just a little different than, than some of the other traditional carriers or, or even some of the new carriers. But um, I, I think, uh, you know, one thing about live sports is it's, it's uh, always going to be valuable. Uh, it's never any more valuable than what somebody's willing to pay you for it. You can do all the analytics and all the, um, all of the uh, ciphering that you want to, and, and it's still only going to be a product of, of uh, how many suitors do you have and how, much, how bad do they want it. And so um, I think that's what we'll find um, in, the, in the months and years ahead. And and there are several of us, including the Big 12, that are going to be in that marketplace. But uh, live sports will continue to be the coin of the realm. And, uh, and, I, and I think uh, we will do well and others will do well. It sounds like we're not going to get a 12-team playoff until probably 2026 at the earliest. Do you think at that point it will be multiple uh, carriers uh, getting some portion of that playoff like the NFL? Well, I think the NFL is probably just uh, extracting revenue from their product as anybody that's around. And the fact that they've adopted a, a multi-network approach to it makes a lot of sense. You also, with a 12-team playoff, if you assume that that's what it's going to be, uh, you're going to have 11 games, and uh, and that's a lot for one network to carry. Um, so uh, my expectation is that there'll be more than one carrier on it. Uh, 11 games is very different than three games. And so I, I think uh, it could be at least two and perhaps even more than that. 
but um, you know, time time will tell on that. Uh, it it probably is going to be at least twenty six before we get there, and and in fact, uh, you know, if we do, we will have to get back to the table and negotiate our way through some of these things fairly soon because uh, the uh, um, you know we get to year twelve, uh, the the playoff as a practical matter goes away. Uh, because it's it's built around a four team model and and we don't even have contracts to continue a four team model. So uh, some decisions are going to have to be made and and uh, I would guess within 12 months uh, the commissioners are going to have to be back at the table talking through these same set of issues. When you look at the Big 12 um, and your successor, um, knowing the Big 12 the way you do with the new schools, Houston, Central Florida, BYU, Cincinnati. Is it your feeling that the new commissioner needs to be really well-versed in television or does it need to be someone who knows the family uh, very, very well, maybe an internal candidate from, from within the conference right now? I, I think it has to be a, a balance. Um, clearly, you can't uh, um, you can't be oblivious to how uh, media works and how it's priced and and how it's negotiated. But you know you can you can hire consultants that can advise uh, a commissioner and a staff on and the schools on, on how all that fits together. Um, you know, negotiating the TV contracts is a relatively small part of the job, but a really important part. Um, I was involved in the late stages of it when I came on board in 2012, and and since that time, we we had the uh, the the new football game, uh, the championship game. We we had uh, some uh, new streaming products that we we uh, needed to price, but the. The amount of negotiation it was relatively small, and the the amount of uh, of management of the TV products and how we use them and and how we're compensated for them is a is an ongoing management issue. Um, there are certainly elements of uh, of operating a conference that I spend more time on than than the media, but there's not one not an aspect that's any more important than that. So um, I, obviously we we need to get that right. And um, we need to make sure that uh, we we do it for the right length of time. But I, I think it's very difficult to be successful in a commissioner's role um, in this day and age without having had some campus experience. And it wouldn't have to be necessarily as an athletics director, but um, to know how campuses operate, uh, where the difficult parts are, and where the where the easy parts are. Um, those kinds of things, uh, if you haven't operated in, in a campus environment, uh, I, I think you, you know, you can't, you, it's not to say you can't be successful without that experience. I just think it's harder. Are we ever going to get to a, a point where the, the power five, uh, work together and, you know, consolidate their, their media rights and, and put some geographic sense back into things um, and negotiate big contracts like the NFL. Uh, are we ever going to get to that point? We're sort of at well, this most. We, we, we aren't professional organizations. Um, you know, the, the NFL is a joint venture. It's a business. 
Um, it isn't about the games. It's about the money. And it, it's, uh, it's a very different animal than college athletics. Um, you know, first of all, uh, we, if we were to aggregate the rights of the five conferences, uh, we would, we would never get past, uh, uh, judicial committee and, and, uh, department of justice scrutiny around antitrust activities. It, it just is not, not possible to do it. And it's, uh, you know, even arguable that some conferences may be able to exert market, um, market priorities and therefore would be violating antitrust. So, you know, it's a, uh, uh, a group of universities are not capable of entering into a joint venture like the NFL or the NBA or, or anything like that. And so um, that, that is unlikely to be uh, part of the outcome. But uh, beyond that, um, you know, we, we were, have worked together exceedingly well for many, many years. Uh, we uh, just, uh, relative to COVID, um, the A5 commissioners uh, and senior staff met every day for nine months by, by Zoom and by conference call, uh, working our way through, through COVID. So we, we spend a lot of time collaborating. Uh, you hear about the times when we disagree, but <clears throat> generally speaking, we're like-minded and we share the same, uh, you know, as an example, we've been involved in a, in a uh, fairly extensive lobbying effort in Washington, DC and, and uh, have shared a lobbying firm or a group of lobbying firms that we've worked with. Uh, we, we collaborate and work together on, on a great many more things than we disagree on. When you look at, I mean, two members of the Big 12 left and went to the SEC, Texas A&M and Missouri, Nebraska left and went to the Big 10. Um, Colorado left and is in the, the Pac-12. Do you think those schools are happy with their decisions? Do you think they're better off or what's your opinion? Well, I don't, I don't have an opinion. You would, you would know more about that than I do, but I think the results speak for themselves. And the, and the results you're referencing are. Well, is, is Nebraska more successful? Is Missouri more successful? Is Colorado more successful? Uh, is Arkansas more successful? Um, you know, maybe you could argue that Texas A&M is more successful, but they left mostly to get away from Texas, and now Texas is going to be back in the league with them. So, you know, draw your own conclusions as to whether the moves have been good for them. Um, the obviously, you worked very closely with Texas and Oklahoma uh, during your time as Big Twelve commissioner, and then they went underground in making this decision. Do you have? What's your feeling toward those two institutions right now? Well, that we're gonna um, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that there is uh, no manner in which uh, either of them or anybody else in the league uh, would would uh, know that they were even leaving because uh, the student athletes and the coaches deserve the very best they can get. Uh, we need to make sure that their games are officiated in the same manner that everybody else is officiating, that the uh, 
that the kids get a chance to compete and, and be a part of, uh, of whatever it is for as long as they can do it. And, um, you know, that, that's just, uh, that's my professional obligation and the obligation of our conference office staff and the, and the continuing members for that matter. Um, we're going to make darn sure that they have a good experience as long as they're in the conference. And, uh, when it, the time comes that they're not in the conference then we'll, we'll suit it up and, and, uh, we'll compete against them in all likelihood, uh, on a non-conference basis. But, um, you know, it, it's, uh, we're not going to adopt any sort of scorched earth policy. We're going to, we're going to do the best possible things we can do to make sure that, that, uh, their experience is just as good as it can be for, uh, the remaining years that they're in the conference. In 2023, there could be 16 teams in the big 12. Uh, 14. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Um, from a scheduling standpoint, how far out, uh, you know, do you have to, I mean, what does that do from a scheduling standpoint? Uh, not very much. Um, we just need to plug in what we know to be the number and, uh, and, uh, it's easy enough to, to plan for 12 and to plan for 14. And we've certainly done that. Um, we will have some conversations about going to divisions and whether we want to play in divisions in some sports and not in others. But, uh, you know, there's nothing very magical about that. And, uh, you know, unlike the non-conference schedule, we don't, we don't schedule out very far. Uh, we'll, we'll put out the uh, football schedule for the fall of 23 uh, probably in September or October uh, this coming year. And the uh, basketball schedule goes out about the same time. So in terms of conference schedules, we only do them about a year in advance anyway. Um, so um, it, it has some effect on non-conference scheduling, but uh, not not too much on conference scheduling. Um, Bob, I thought your leadership during the, the COVID pandemic was outstanding. You were uh, steady and well-researched. You were not, uh, emotional. Um, you made, you know, decisions based on, uh, fact and, and as you look back on your time as big 12 commissioner, um, what are you most proud of? Uh, well, I, I think, uh, I have always tried to have, um, what I state as, as my principles, uh, be reflected in my actions. And, you know, I, I'm fundamentally someone who wants to be fair. And so, you know, that's where the commissioner gets involved in resolving issues among and between institutions. And so, um, I, I think if you ask our presidents and chancellors and our athletics directors, they would say, uh, that, that they always got a, a, a fair hearing and a fair outcome. Uh, they may not, you know, may not love it the way it turned out. Um, I'm sure there are some times when we uh, cut the baby in half, but uh, you know, there the, the fact is, um, I, I start from a position of trying to be fair, and I, I think our uh, our schools would tell you that that I have been. Um, beyond that, I, I think we uh, we have the the best football and basketball officiating in college athletics, and. Um, it's far from perfect, but we work hard at, at the development of it. And, and, uh, 
uh, you know, for a coach and or a student athlete having well officiated games that uh, don't always go your way, but uh, but you can you can look back on them and say, yeah, we we had the best that are available. I, I think that's a a good thing. We've been able to consistently drive additional revenue, and that always is a is something that commissioners are evaluated on. Uh, so, you know, and I, I think we've led at the national level. We've had uh, we've had lots of issues forums that would have been high profile events and taken on difficult tasks, talking about race and athletics and talking about uh, gender equity and athletics, uh, talking about sexual violence and athletics. Uh, I think we've taken on difficult issues because we, we needed to tee them up for national discussion. And so um, we've competed well and we've tried to lead. And um, so, you know, I, it's, it's been a, it's been a productive 10 years. I, I have enjoyed it. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, the, the time is right to move on. How will you look back on the, the Texas OU decision? I probably won't spend much time looking back at it. I, I typically don't, you know, I, I was, uh, a little bit frustrated when it first happened because uh, I, uh, to your previous question, it wasn't logical to me that this would have been a, a good move for them. Um, but beyond that, uh, institutions are going to do what they think is in their own best interests. And I, I won't, we, we uh, have taken the high road since the, the moment we heard the rumor. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do anything other than that in retrospect. Well, your uh, your legacy, you helped oversee um, uh, an unprecedented uh, number of endowed scholarships at Stanford. Your leadership has transcended multiple conferences, and I think everyone who's worked with you respects uh, your approach, the way you've handled things day in and day out. Uh, Bob, really appreciate the time. Appreciate your thoughts. You're welcome. Never held back. And... Uh, and best of luck. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy your grandkids. And um, we'll we'll catch up again down the road. I'll look forward to it, Chip. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bob Bowlesby. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the flagship podcast. For Bob Bowlesby, I'm Chip Brown. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.